Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Sue Groner. Is that correct? Um, She's an experienced mother of two young adults and knows how stressful and overwhelming parenting can be at times. She founded the Parenting Mentor to provide an ally for parents in their quest to raise confident and resilient children. Sue is the author of Parenting with Sanity and Joy. I love that. 101 Simple Strategies and is the host of the Parenting Mentor Sessions podcast. She is also a certified and positive disciplined parent educator. Sue is also the creator of the Clear Method, developed through years of trial and her fair share of errors with her own family. Welcome, Sue. How are you? I'm great. So good to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, before we get started, I'd like to ask my icebreaker round questions. What is your favorite book or one that you would like to recommend? Well, it's a book I literally just finished. I listened to it. It took me a while. It's not like a light read, but I think it's super, super important. It's called The Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan Haidt. Um, I can't recommend it enough to make you think about how you're raising your kids and what's really important in terms of them becoming, you know, non-fragile adults, you know, even, even children, you know, like it's okay. You don't need to win every single game. You know, everyone doesn't need a trophy and, you know, it's just exploded onto the college campuses of how, this fragility is affecting everyone and everything and in a not very positive way in my opinion or the authors. No, I love that. And I I agree. And I think, unfortunately, it's like, how do you find that balance? Because there is a lot going on in this world. Mm -hmm. So how do we set our children up to deal with that, but not be to your point fragile enough to where they can't. So, Oh, sounds, sounds like a great book. Yeah. How has, how has motherhood transformed you? Oh my gosh. Well, my kids are now 23 and 25. So um, I'm different. I'm a more empathetic. I'm a more understanding, more patient human being. And I also got a business out of it. (laughs) That's awesome. I know that's, yeah, yeah. I love that. It, I always say, um, we always hear, I, sh- I should say, that it takes a village to raise a child, but I feel most importantly that it takes a village to uplift a mother. Through your 25 years total of parenting, who and what has been a part of your village? Well, my partner, my husband, definitely has um, friends, for mm-hmm. sure. Um a little family. I mean, my parents were really helpful when my kids were little. Um, but I have to say, you know, when my kids were younger, no one said it takes a village. <laughs> and, you know, it was, har- it was much harder. People were not so supportive. I mean, I, when, when I saw that question, <laughs> it reminded me of a time where I asked a neighbor of mine, not a favorite, obviously, um, who had a child in the, a year ahead of mine and I was doing this 
I was the class mom and doing something in for Thanksgiving, I think. And all the kids had to bring in food to cook that they could cook in the classroom, sure, which isn't really that easy to do. And so I asked her if she could give me some ideas. And she responded by saying, I had to figure it out myself. You can figure it out. <laughs> OMG, no. Yeah, I don't think people are like that anymore. But that was no. like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So to your point, it's like, yeah, back then you kind of had to, you had to kind of figure it out for yourself, right? You kind of mm -hmm. had to do what you had to do. And I mean, I look back and say, I don't know how my parents did it. Um, or my mom did it, but I also think it's a different time period, right? Like you did what you had to do and now it's a different time. So we have to parent differently and seeing that maybe parents who were more so martyrs back then, especially the moms of taking it, really taking it all on. My mom took care of her parents as well as our household. Wow. It's just different. Now, you know, women are becoming business owners. Now we realize we cannot do that all, right? Which I know we're going to get into with what yes. you do. Yes. And, you know, I worked through, I, I had you know, my own businesses all throughout, but, um, you know, I, I, I had books and sure. I talked with other people and I went to different talks that I, you know, so I could hear other perspectives, different perspectives. Sure. So tell Teachers, me then yeah. as, yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Um, and I think even teaching back then was so much different than it is now. I feel like <sighs> teachers, I know, like I, yes. I had some amazing, I mean, I had some teachers that were a bit rough, but I also had some amazing teachers and it's kind of sad because I think we're losing sight of that, but that could be a whole nother <laughs> topic <Okay>. of conversation. <laughs> okay. So tell me um, your inspiration behind creating the parenting mentor. What is that? Um, what does it mean to be a parenting mentor and how do you hope to impact your community? Have you done it since the inception of your business? Talk to me about that. Yeah, so I started the Parenting Mentor, um, I guess, going on six years soon. Wow. Um, really a result of my, partly my recognition that so much of the anxiety and stress that I put on myself mm. when my kids were, I would say, mostly in the middle years sure. um, was really such a waste of my time and energy. And it was unpleasant for me. I'm sure it wasn't pleasant for my children. It was, you know, I love being a parent. I love kids. And I don't want other parents to have to go through what I did, really. And so I started to rethink everything. And I, I was asked often by friends or people I would run into or my physical therapist or whatever, you know, just some parenting issues. They would talk about their kids and I'm like, well, you know, have you thought about it this way? You know, maybe you could try this. You know, I always said, let me know. I'm just curious. And everyone would come back and say, wow, you're better than our therapist. <laughs> you know, that was amazing. What an instant change. You should start a business. And the timing was right. And so I did. And, you know, as a mentor, you know, I'm not, I don't come into it like a formal coach where we have X number of meetings and there's a specific agenda for, you know, how we do this going forward. It's, sure. it's, 
very organic. It really meets the needs of my particular client or, you know, often I speak to larger groups and mm-hmm. I love to have Q and A in there. So there's, it's not, I'll have topics, but not necessarily this is what we have to do first. This is what we have to do second, et cetera. And also I don't have a model like a therapist either. So it's certainly not an every week occurrence. You know, I think people can get a lot out of one or two sessions with me. Sure. And basically, I guess when I think of mentor, I think of like in the business world, I come from the corporate side of things, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think of a mentor, I think of someone that kind of guides you along the way, right? Like, look, this is what worked for me, maybe holding you accountable with certain things and saying, well, try this. Um, So I like that aspect. And I love, you know, when I connect with people on here, because yeah, you always hear the coaches or the this, the that, the therapist, and you're coming in with a different kind of perspective with it. Yeah. Also, you know what? I've done it. I've, I've, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I like to say I have the benefit of the retroactive crystal ball. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there, I'm sure there are a lot of wonderful parenting coaches out there, but they have little kids and, you know, they're kind of figuring it out as they go along as well. And I can sure. see very clearly what worked, what didn't, what does now. Absolutely. May I ask what you did before becoming, before you decided and said, okay, you know, I'm going to make this a business. I want this to be my thing. What was your background? Um, actually, I have an undergraduate business degree from the University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> I started out in advertising and marketing. Wow. I had, and I've had a number of my own businesses. All sort of, I'd like to say they all sort of fall into the creative problem solving area. Ah, very cool. Which kind of then, I love how things somewhat come full circle. Yeah. Now, what is the um, positive discipline parent educator? Talk to me about that. I, I mentioned that in your bio. Can you yeah, so what I that did. Is? Yeah, I did the positive, the, the workshops to learn that. And just, you know, I always find that it's great to learn more information and have more information in my back pocket. And, um, I follow some of it. it. What was what was really great about it was that it was incredibly validating because, you know, also as a mentor, I'm not, I don't have a child psychology degree. I don't have a master's in social work sure. or anything like that. So I really deal, focus with the everyday stress and anxiety, not with other problems where gotcha. you need somebody who's really going to know more about the science. Um, And so all the things that I had been doing were very validated by this workshop. Um, The, a lot of it has you doing groups and teaches Mm -hmm. you ways to communicate these different skills. I tend to work either one-on-one or in a large group. So I don't necessarily incorporate a lot of that, but um, very in sync with the concepts. Gotcha. And I know you created the clear method. So I want to jump into that because yeah. it's going to go into my other questions of really providing value to my listeners of mm-hmm. what some tips and tr- tricks and strategies. Um, so I know the clear method has six important pillars. Can you talk right. about what they are um, and why you felt compelled to create it? And if someone were to take this clear method, um, do you um, add it to your practice? Like, talk to me about that aspect as well. Yeah. So I, I mean, I use the word method lightly. Um But once someone starts to feel comfortable with the components of it, it becomes part of just the way that one will parent. And the things really like they're reminders. 
of things to think about whenever there's a conflict or some sort of communication mm-hmm. hurdle, perhaps. Um, so it stands for communication, love, empathy, awareness, rules, and respect. Love that. Um, a good example, you know, could be your child is on their phone way too much, in your opinion. Sure. And so, you know, I feel like the awareness piece is really kind of something we need to go to first. Why? You know, what are they getting out of it? What are the, and what are the benefits? Like, why are they, what are the good things? Like I always, within the positive discipline thing too, it's always like looking at the positives instead of the negatives. And so, wow, you know what? I wish I had one of the phone like this when I was a kid, you know, and I could communicate with my friends so easily. I could communicate with groups of friends at the same time. Mm -hmm. We could share stuff. I can listen to music. I can find out information at my fingertips, but mostly their kids want to be connected. They want to feel connected to their friends. And so, you know, it's like, Hey, Honey, you know, wow, it's an amazing thing that you have this little thing that fits in the palm of your hand that allows you to do all these things. Isn't it incredible? I wish I had that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then you, so that's the awareness. You're also not putting your child on the defensive. You're kind of saying, I I hear, I get this. Mm -hmm. And I get that it's also hard to put it down. You know, I have trouble putting my phone down sometimes, too. And so, you know, there's some empathy there. The way I'm talking, the communication Mm -hmm. is the tone and manner Mm -hmm. of the communication really count for a lot. Because, you know, you can say the same thing in a kind, loving voice Mm -hmm. or in a kind of snippy voice and they're heard very very differently for sure like sweetie it's time to go sweetie it's time to go right i mean (laughs) they're very different um and so the the r's the rules and the respect so you know a lot of times people will complain about something going on in their house and i said always ask well what are your rules around that do you have a rule around that And they'll say no. And I said, okay, well, that's a really good place to start because without them, it's whenever you feel like implementing that rule. It's whenever you get fed up. Mm -hmm. And that is confusing to a child. And it's also not pleasant for you. So then the respect piece comes from saying, you know, somehow incorporating your child into the conversation about the rules, you know, if they're old enough. And, you know, well, what do you think is a reasonable amount of time? You know, how do we handle this? You know, and you can say, you know, listen, if it's your phone, you get this much time and then the phone goes here. You know, it's important to have boundaries and structure and to, if this is important, you have to really enforce it. May I ask you this, um, because what, because you do have, I, I love talking 
with people with older children, because to your point, you've lived it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you, 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 you have trial and error. I mean, you said it in your bio. So you get a lot of like, oh, we call it all these things, the peaceful parenting, the mindful parenting. You have to talk in this, explain yeah. this. But truthfully, in talking to now, I mean, this is episode like almost 140, and I'm talking to a lot of people within the various coaching things, a lot of it is what you're saying. It's the communication. It's being... Um, empathy, um, having empathy. It's, it's setting boundaries, being very clear what the boundaries are. It's, it's all of those things. Let me ask for those that might listen to this and maybe some old school that might be like, no, like just tell them what it is. Why do you need to tell them and even negotiate that? Why is it important? And as you being a mom who's had your own trial and error, what do you see the positiveness of having that? I'll say a cl- clear example. Before you answer that, my son is five and he won a Chick-fil-A, knows that off bat that cannot have that all the night. And it was a random night. He usually goes on Fridays with my Hmm. mother-in-law. He saw my face ready to answer him through the rearview mirror and he paused and he said, oh, no, not only with the Chick-fil-A, but he wanted the lemonade, but he usually gets the apple juice. So I was like, listen, if Nana takes you, I said, I don't you can't have the lemonade again. He goes, no, no, no. What if I do this? And this is him. He goes, what if, before you say like completely wiped out, he goes, what if I basically alternate was his thing and one week he'll have apple juice and the next week he'll have lemonade because I was about to take away the lemonade all completely because of how much sugar. So I paused and I was like, okay. I looked at him. I was like, I think I can work with that. He's five. Um, so I was kind of proud that I'm like, you know, helping to raise someone. I can see mm-hmm. it, it helped it helped him allow to negotiation skills and it allowed him to express himself and me not have an argument to have this thing because I want the power to say it can't be lemonade every week or whatever that is. That's an example. But I want you to maybe go a little bit deeper of why you've seen that these kind of methods or these things work in allowing our children to have that. Nobody wants to be dictated to, mm-hmm. you know, kids should not feel that they live in a prison and have no say. <laughs> yes. They're individuals. And I think the more we, the earlier we start, and I don't mean everything has to be a negotiation. That's exhausting Agreed. and unnecessary. Yes. yes. And however, I think asking our kids what they think, yeah. I think that respect piece, asking them what they think is sounds fair, saying and listening to them. And you know what? We may actually say to ourselves, hmm, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. But if we can say, hey, you know what? Let's try it. I'm not sure, but I'm willing to give that a try. Mm-hmm. Happy to try it for a couple of weeks or whatever the thing is. Let's try that sure. for a week. Then all of a sudden, Nobody's feeling pushed into a corner. You're not setting, you know, you're not saying no just because you can. You're saying, all right, let's try it, you know, and then you can go back and say, well, let's talk about how it's working, you know, and if you say, how much time do you think you is fair to be on your screen? Mm -hmm. Listen to what they say and say, I'm willing to give it a try, you know, and knowing that these are all the other expectations that we have. For sure. And if you do get to do that, you have to learn to monitor this on your own. Because one of the things that I think is the worst job of any parent that 
for some reason, we've taken on the role of the warden, you know, it goes back to my yes. prison thing, but the homework warden, the screen time warden, yes. the food warden, the sleep warden, it's exhausting and really unpleasant. And since my goal is to help parents be happier and more relaxed, well, how do we get out of being the role, playing the role of the warden? Sure. And again, that goes very much to trial and error. How is my child going to learn to monitor their own time? I don't know. That might take a year of trial and error. Yes. It really might. But think about it. The the benefit to your child mm-hmm. learning to manage their time like that. Yes. And even if it takes a year, like will be done. You're teaching them this incredible life skill and you'll never have to deal with it again. Sure. Versus them being on their screens a little more because it's these may not work as well as you'd like them to. And so instead of being in that place where you're like, you have 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, five more minutes, you better be off in five minutes. And, you know, you come down and you go and see them on there and they're not there. They haven't gotten off and you're angry and they're mad and like, ugh, exhausting and stressful. Mm -hmm. So I think we really need to think as parents about how, what, what skills we're teaching them. Mm-hmm. And and by being the wardens, don't forget to put this in your backpack, put it in your backpack, put it in your backpack, and it doesn't end up in the backpack. And then you're angry. Like, we're not teaching them anything Correct. if we continue to do that. We're not helping them develop into self-reliant kids. Yeah. And me, again, working in corporate, because I manage a wide range of people from all different ages, I saw that was a skill a lot of people do not have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I very, very immediately, very subconsciously before my son even came into play was like, oh no, that's a skill that I know my son needs to have because that is a very important skill. I think it's something that has helped me throughout my career because I am very self-reliant. Yeah. I know how to, oh, I'll figure this out where a lot of people don't have that. So to your point, it's almost counterproductive um, whereas parents, we become, well, especially moms, we want to be the martyrs, we want to be the wardens. I love that aspect of it. Um, but then expect at 18 years old, we're going to kick them out and they have all the answers when we haven't even given them the life skills to be able to figure out these very, very important skills, whether it's negotiating, right? They should be able, if they're going to learn how to negotiate, I feel, which is why I'm so passionate about having these kind of conversations. If I want to teach him how to negotiate, he better learn with me and his, and his father Mm -hmm. and other people that he could trust to where, you know, I can steer him in the right way so that he can be the best that he can be. So I love that aspect of it. Um, And I think it will help mothers. I think when they hear this, um, when you, when you flip it like that and say, just think of it as the life skills that you're teaching them and not having to do everything. I think a lot of times because, which is going to get into my next question about being a working mother and all of that, we put so much on our plate, the thought of having to put in some of that work in the front end, Mm-hmm. is like exhausting, right? The mental capacity, like I don't have mental capacity to deal with this. So now that goes to my next question for you. As a working mother, you've been a working mother, you've had business, you know, your own businesses. That's a very different beast than working a nine to five, in mm-hmm. my opinion, um, because you're everything. Why do you think working um, parents or working moms and dads make good parents? And what can you tell my listeners who are that are maybe having some mom guilt or like, oh, I work, should I stay home? All the things. Why do you think having that working aspect makes you a good parent? Well, I mean, 
in a very practical way, you have less time to be the warden. (laughs) (laughs) And so your kids will automatically have to learn more and do more on their own. And I think that's really a really good thing. You don't need to be around all the time watching every little thing that they do. It's not even healthy for them and it's not healthy for us. So I, I, I really, I think that's like a really important thing. Secondly, you become a great role model yeah. for your child saying, you know, it's, we all work. This is what life is all about, you know, and sure. you can hopefully have dinner together or times when you're together and talk about what, what's going on. What was difficult for you? What was sure. good? And ask your kids the same thing, you know, and you have more, you have more to share. I think that's really important. Um, and then I think just, you know, the skills that we learn at work, we sure. can, we use at home and the skills that we use at home make us also very, very good at, at work. <laughs> For yeah. sure. No, I, I love that. My husband used to tell me that because when, um, like with my son and going to the grandparents, he's like, no, he should go to as many different people's houses as he can. Mm-hmm. And- because he's going to learn from each of that, per- from each of those people and gain skills that we can't provide for him all the time. So to your point, I, I think about that, that of times I'm like, well, at least in school, like I know I don't have that skill set of teaching there and having to break it down and all of that. Um, I want to talk about the second shift of motherhood that came up actually in another conversation I did um, not too long ago. Um, what is your definition of the second shift? And is it good? Is it bad? How do we maintain it? How do we get through it? What, tell me about that. You know, I kind of feel it's like the third shift, <laughs> actually, because the first shift is the morning shift before you start work. That right? is true. And, yes. and that's like a big, that can be exhausting too. And so like yeah. by the time you've gotten your kids to where they need to be, you know, you kind of like feel like you've been through a war sometimes. Yeah. Yes. And so, I mean, one of the things that I do is really work with parents. This is one of the things like when I work in companies too, they really want help with how to make that, how to make the morning crazy, like easier. And what do you give up and Mm -hmm. what's important and what's not. And so that when you get to work, you're raring to go instead Mm -hmm. of this exhausted, oh my God, I can't believe I finally got through that. You know, sure. then you have all your work day and then you come home and you have to deal with homework and dinner and bedtime and all of that. And that's sort of, to me, the second shift or now the third shift. <laughs> and <laughs> so, yeah, like that can be dreaded because you're already exhausted from your morning and your work day. And now you have to deal with this too. Well, you don't really. Like, you don't, you can learn to not deal with the homework. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents never did homework with me. I never, ever did homework with my parents. And I never did homework with my kids. And, you know, here's the big news flash. You do not need to be sit sit down and do homework with your kids. And um, in fact, if they're young and they're getting a lot of homework, that is a shame. And that is one of the things from that book that I recommended at the beginning is like how, you know, it's really unnecessary. Free play is so much more important than doing homework when you're young. Um, you learn so many more skills. Um, but anyway. Sure. Yes, it's partly our responsibility as parents to help our kids learn to do their homework, but it's more about helping them 
figure out ways that will work for them to get it done as opposed to standing over them and making them do it. And that goes back to the conversation that we talked about with the phones and say, hey, I see you're really having a hard time getting this done. Let's think about some ways that, you know, and some where, where it might be comfortable for you to get it done. Maybe if it's only supposed to take a half hour and each thing's only supposed to be 10 minutes, you know, what do you think about using a timer and, sure. you know, just do your 10 minutes and get, see if you can get it done. And, you know, let's come up with a bunch of ways together, brainstorming, mm-hmm. and then you can pick the first one and then we'll talk about it. You can try it for a week or so. And then we can try something else. So the trial and error thing, the earlier you can introduce that to, so, so important. First of all, the best thing about it is that there's no judgment. It assumes that what you try first will not work. And maybe second or third or fourth. And you either start all over or you tweak and you keep doing it. And so there's no negative. So, yes, do our kids learn from failure and from mistakes? Absolutely. And so do I. And so do you. Like, we all do. However, words are, those are bad words. I don't want to fail at anything. I don't want to make mistakes, you know. But if it's under the confines of trial and error, it's fine. Because nobody, like, you just expect that. The more you do that, the more your kids are going to come talk to you and communicate with you and share with you things that aren't going well for them that aren't right because they know that you're going to approach it in a non-judgmental, non-punitive way. Sure. And more in a problem solving, like, okay, let's figure out how we can correct this problem together. Actually, you know, the problem solving is another thing that I feel is one of our jobs is to help our kids become good problem solvers. And, you know, oftentimes with our experience and our coming from a very warm place of love, we want to say, oh, honey, we'll just do this. Yeah. Or, you know, go talk to your teacher tomorrow. Why didn't you just do this? Or maybe you should try that. Or suggestion after suggestion, not helpful. Yeah. What's helpful is to say, oh, okay, so I can see that you're unhappy with what happened. I can see you're really, like, upset because your teacher didn't let you do X, Y, or Z because... Mm-hmm. whatever like we don't even sometimes need to know the reasons because our kids know the reasons and they don't even and they it doesn't matter tell us the whole story said, well <laughs> i got late i was late to class because i stopped in the bathroom like we don't need to say well why did you do that you should have gone to the class and then asked for a bathroom pass correct right they know that they're not idiots correct all we need to do is validate that they're disappointed by what happened or mm-hmm. upset or frustrated or whatever, I get that. Yeah, I, I would feel that way too if my teacher didn't let me, you know, I could see like, you didn't get to go out to recess. That stinks. Sure. That's it. What do you think, what do you think you could do differently next time? You know, and sometimes like something as simple as that, probably don't even need to ask that question. But sometimes if you want to help them get thinking about ways to handle it, or they'll say, what should I do? Say, I don't know. Well, what do you think you could do next differently next time what do you think then we're going back to that respect that respect are Mm -hmm. you have valuable opinions i want to hear what they are you're important you have good thoughts you're a smart kid i don't need to tell you everything 
you can figure it out. Like yeah. that's and- what they're hearing. That's what we should be saying to ourselves. Sure. And we should also be reminding ourselves, like every time, like especially for working parents, when something's not going wrong, right for your child, when they are struggling with something, maybe they had a fight with their best friend, maybe they didn't get on a team, you know, or they have they have tryouts for the team, and you're worried about that, and you know, or they forgot their lunch even at home and you're not bringing it to them please don't bring it to them um you know let them know ahead of time you know you forget stuff you get one chance you get one opportunity for me to be able to bring it to you if I'm able but other than that I know you'll be able to figure it out you know maybe they'll need to do trial and error remember how to remember to bring something to school right but again you don't want to be that warden Right. And then, yeah, you know what? If your kids are having a difficult thing happen, if they are having uncomfortable emotions, not, they're not bad. Sure. They're uncomfortable. Disappointment, worry, stress, frustration, sadness, Mm -hmm. whatever. Those are normal, healthy, human feelings. We have them. They have them. They will always have them. You know, we always have them. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we show our kids, not all the time, but like if you're frustrated by something or disappointed because you something you were going to go out that night and it got canceled. Yeah, I'm really disappointed because I was so looking forward to going out to dinner with my girlfriends. Mm -hmm. And now I can't. I'm really bummed. Like I'm really bummed. Like, that's okay. Because then you're, they're seeing, oh, well, my parent has those feelings. They must be okay. And, and an hour later, the next day, fine. you're fine. And so the more we allow our kids the opportunity to have those and not fix them, mm-hmm. the more they're going to develop coping mechanisms, the more resilient they'll become. And they can't become resilient if they have no adversity. Right. If they're not uncomfortable, they're not going to know how to handle those uncomfortable feelings when they do have them, when you're not around to fix everything. I think a lot of times parents get uncomfortable with their uncomfortableness. I mean, I felt it. But again, Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful for my podcast because every conversation I have is like my own coaching (laughs) session. (laughs) It really is. It is. I didn't think about that till later on. I'm like, wait a minute. This is if no one ever listened to my podcast. Yeah, you're still getting something out of it. (laughs) Right. So I really try and apply that. I'm very, very proud of that because my son is kind of basking in that and has no problem. And we talk and I sometimes I even tell him like, buddy, you know, I had a rough day today. And he's like, wow. I was like, well, I thought this was going to happen and this was going to happen. So I had to pivot. And he's like, really? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, you know, just letting him know, like, we're human because we didn't really get that in prior generations. So I think that's right. so important to have that. Um, and to your point, and then it's just setting them up for more success. And I guess eliminating that first shift, that second shift overwhelm, um, a lot of it is basically what you're saying is either prep or give them as much autonomy for them to do it themselves so that you don't have to add that mental Rolodex that a lot of mothers have is, oh, shoot, I have to remember this. Oh, shoot, I have to remember that. Listen, if you don't iron your clothes or you don't get them done, you're going to go with wrinkled clothes. Very, very, you know, that's your responsibility type of kind of like working together. Yeah. Um, and, and also like get rid of the perfection thing. Like, yes. I mean, if you can get 
you know, if your kids eat even before you, like as a working parent, like, and there's been research, (laughs) there's been research done. I think it was in Sweden that proved that if you spend 10 to 15 minutes of undivided one-on-one time, that is, you know, no phone, no nothing. You are just you and your child. You're making an emotional connection with them. You are there that that is enough that is enough. They will feel loved by you and that and supported by you. And if you take the, my job is to fix all my kids' problems off the table, then all you need to do, it's just you know, and then parents are like, well, what do I do then? You know, validate the feeling. Support them. <laughs> and give them love. It's unbelievable how much a big, tight, long hug really works. Mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't it work on you too? If you're having a crappy day and you come home and you complain to your husband, yeah. A, you don't want a barrage of suggestions no. at all. <laughs> you just want him to say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's such a crappy day. Come here. Let me give you a hug. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what we want. That's what our kids want. Yeah, they really do. They really do. And um, yeah, I, I love it. Um, let me ask, what are ways that you, so, I, you know, we have this, we're in this, in this thing of, of sexy words, self-care and um, all of these things. Um, but I, I feel like it's deeper than that. I feel like it's a level of releasing. You need something to reset. You need something to recharge. What do you do for yourself to make sure that you're releasing, you're resetting and you're recharging? What did you do? If you can think back to when you were kind of in the thick of it with the littles, Mm-hmm. And kind of what do you do now to make sure that you can be there for your clients and do all the things that you do? Well, I do other things that I love to Like I have hobbies now, you know, sure. I just, I, when I was in high school, I played the oboe and yeah. there was, it's been many, many years since I played, but I started playing again about six months ago. And so oh. that is like a, almost a meditation for me because I have ADD and my mind like is, can think about like 10 things at the same time. But when I'm playing, all all I can think about is how I'm playing, where my fingers are going, what the notes are, what the rhythm is, like how the yeah. sound is. Like there's some, it's just me and my music and that's wonderful. Um, I also love listening to books, sort of a new thing for me. I And it, if you don't, now listen to like podcasts or books. I mean, books are a little more fun, I think, because with the book, like with a podcast, it's like great. And then it's over, but a book, I kind of try to find things to do because I'm not going to just sit on my butt and listen to a book, you know, and I'm, I'm not the best at picking up a book and reading it. So I can multitask and get things done that I might not do otherwise because now I get to listen to my book and like, and also like chores then become fun for me because I'm just doing something while I'm listening to my book. I love it. So you found ways to kind of make it work for you, which I love. So Mm -hmm. how can people connect with you? How do people work with you? Obviously I'll put this all in the show notes, but um, maybe, you know, put how people, what are the services that you offer specifically when people want to come to work with you? Yeah. So on the, Simplest level, it's one-on-one work either with you and your partner or you by yourself. Um, it can be, you know, you can book up to one to five sessions with me 
and they're not, you know, over a period of time. I feel really strongly that there's a lot, even just listening today, there's a lot of information that you just heard. And, you know, if you can take one little nugget and try to start implementing that, yeah, that's great. Then re-listen, listen again and do something else. But, you know, and that's even why I wrote my book the way I did with a tip on each page that it can be so overwhelming and then you can't do anything and then you feel like a failure because you can't get it done. Start small, just like we want our kids to start small, little bits and you build up. And once you're comfortable with something, then you move forward. You know, like, don't think that you're going to be able to say, okay, we're going to now set up rules for everything in the house. Like do one thing and and see how that goes. Um, and yeah, so when I work through my sessions, I really try to focus on that too. So people really understand and feel good about their first steps. And then in a few weeks, then we can revisit it and see how did it go, tweak, add on. Um, Perfect. So individuals, I love working with, with groups. I, you know, if you put together a group of parents with similar age children, you know, we meet once a month. A lot of it, we can talk about a specific topic. A lot of times it's almost like an office hours thing where people just want to ask me questions and kind of learn from each other and learn from each other's issues, how to handle the situations. And I'm always utilizing the clear pillars. And so eventually you just kind of catch on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then I work with companies. I go in and I do workshops or, you know, fireside chats or office hours to support the parents at these companies, which, you know, I think is fantastic that there are companies that are doing that and providing that for their, for the, their parent employees. Really important. Also, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at The Parenting Mentor, and my website is theparentingmentor.com, where you can find out about my book, about me and my services, and um, also my my podcast called The Parenting Mentor Sessions. I'd love you to be on. <laughs> it, parent comes on, discusses a current challenge they're having, mm-hmm. and I work you through it. So with a teach perspective and skills. Yes. We'd have, a, we'd have a great conference. My son is starting kindergarten. That's a huge transition. So as you were talking, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like that's a How are you going to handle that? Yeah, we yeah. could. I would love to do one on, love that. you know, a child starting, you know, more formalized school. We could totally do that. Love that. Um, any other final thoughts? So I like to end this. I always give my guests an opportunity to kind of put something out there that they feel is. And if you listen to anything today, take this away kind of, you know, with you. Um, so final thoughts to the Motherhood Village. Podcast. Okay, I'm going to give you two. I love it. One is it's important to normalize uncomfortable feelings. Okay. Instead of thinking that there's something they're bad and that you have to fix them, just they are what they are. Mm-hmm. The second one is the number one tip in my book. Not the number one, but it is number one. It's number one in the book. And it's just, <laughs> the tip is say yes with joy. And that doesn't mean say yes all the time. 
Oh, I like If you that. know that you're going to say yes, if your child comes to you and asks you to help them do something or drive them to a friend's house, or usually it's things that they can't do on their own and they really do need you. And so you are going to say yes to that instead of the huff, you know, the I'm fine, give me a minute, you know, like you're really putting me out kind of a thing. Yeah. If you put a smile on your face and you say, sure, sweetie, I'd be happy to give me five minutes. I will tell you, there will be such a switch in how you feel. You won't feel put out. You'll, and you'll feel good and happy about doing something with your child and doing something for your child. It is amazing. I started doing it. I still do it. Even with my grown up children, when they ask me to do them a favor, I'm, happy to do it. And I really am happy to do it now, you know? Yeah. I love that. And the thing that came for me is I do that. I'm like, sure, during the day. But once that third shift comes and it's bedtime, I can see it. And let me tell you, because my little guy, he will call me out. I think the other day I huffed. I was like, oh, he's like, what's that for? <laughs> and I, I like him. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I paused and I was like, not, and it really wasn't about him. It was just because I had so much. And I was like, no. So I laughed and I was like, it's not you. I said, mommy just has to do this. And he was like, oh, okay. Because he'll be quick to say, I didn't do any. Why are you, you know, but yeah. I can see moms having that at the end of the day. So that's such a beautiful thing to end on um, for moms to listen to. So thank you so much for sharing that, Sue. And yes, I will put all of your information in the show notes. And uh, thank you for coming on, for sharing some awesome tips and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.